Because I literally had that conversation with someone the other day (laughs) where they said, oh no, I just spent thousands of dollars on a website and now I'm looking at it and it makes no sense to me and I work (laughs) here. I feel like that probably happens frequently, especially when after someone meets you or learns about the story brand framework, what do you tell them to do? Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business so it stops running you. I'm Ryan Fitzgerald, and I'm on the marketing team here at Belay. Today, we're walking you through some of the best marketing and sales advice that our guests have given us on the One Next Step podcast over the course of the last 80 plus episodes. In today's episode, you'll hear from Wes Gay, a certified story brand guide at Wayfinder, Amy Appleton, Belay's Director of Marketing, Colleen Stanley, President of Sales Leadership, Inc., and Lisa Seal, the Chief Revenue Officer here at Belay. You'll get some amazing advice about improving your marketing and sales pitches, how to start building a marketing team, choosing the right marketing channels, creating a marketing budget, hiring salespeople with emotional intelligence, and motivating your sales team with compensation and commission packages. This is going to be a fantastic episode with so many nuggets of wisdom, but before we dive in, I want to take a moment to tell you about Belay. With modern staffing from Belay, businesses and leaders can focus on growth without the unnecessary overhead or learning curves associated with hiring and onboarding full-time employees. Belay is the incredible 100% remote organization revolutionizing productivity with our virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media managers. Accomplish more, juggle less, and get back to what only you can do, growing your business with modern staffing from Belay. All right, I think it's time to dive into the first clip. listeners like some practical things that they could implement today, like one thing that would help them find those right words or something they could start with right now? Sure. So the big thing is think about everything through the lens of your customer, right? Think through their eyes first. You know, one of the things about the story brand framework is we talk about your brand is what we call the guide in in movies, you know, like Yoda and Obi-Wan can be classic guide characters in movies. And they're the ones who come along and say, I know what, I understand where you're at. I know where you're coming from and I know how to help you. And they have empathy and they have authority. Too often we get so caught up in our own worlds. We just forget to see things through the eyes of the people we're trying to sell to. So the first, so I would say, think about things through the eyes of your customers. What are they dealing with? What are, what's in their day-to-day world? Specifically, what are they, what are they struggling with? What are their problems that you, you know, you can solve? And sometimes this happens more often, it happens often. People go, well, I don't know what that is. Well, do you have any <laughs> testimonials? Like, do right. you have any reviews? Do you have emails from happy clients that say, hey, you helped us with this? Find the language that they are literally already giving you voluntarily. Yes. And then now you have an idea of, okay, this is what I need to start saying to people because this is what they're noticing. Like, these are the things that they're responding to. I just was reading a book by Mike McCallit the other day, and he was talking about this in one of his early businesses, that he, one of the first ones he sold, a customer commented about, how fast their response time was and how great it was. And he said, so I didn't look to improve other areas of the business. He said, I actually looked to improve that because that was the thing I knew he cared about. So we started talking about that more and then we operationally figured out how to speed it up. So look at what customers are actually telling you already and use their language back to them and then look to see how you can make it as specific as possible because ironically, specificity is how you actually open the door to a broader audience. So for the person listening who has just 
paid to redo their website and is now listening mm-hmm. to this podcast and thinking, oh, so maybe we need to relook at our website. Maybe the story is all about us. And maybe we're using words that people don't even understand. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the best next step? Because I literally had that conversation with someone the other day <laughs> where they said, oh, no, mm-hmm. I just spent thousands of dollars to before I got here, they spent thousands of dollars on a website. Yeah. And now I'm looking at it and it makes no sense to me and I work here. So, (laughs) you know, what is like the best first step? I feel like that probably happens frequently, especially when after someone meets you or or Mm -hmm. learns about the story brand framework, what do you tell them to do? Right. So if you've just spent a bunch of money on your website, you don't want to spend any more money on anybody else. And I get it. Right. So what I, there's a couple of things I would suggest. One would be to go back and look what you currently have and think, how can I work with what I've got? And the best way to work with what you've got is to figure out, well, first of all, buy Building a Story Brand and read that book. It's one of the right. few business books you're going to read that doesn't actually waste your time. True. I don't want to call the other ones out, but there are a lot of business books where I get, I finish and go, that could have been about half as long and not lost a thing. Story right. Brand is not that way. Uh, so read that book. And then you, what you're going to find is there's there will be ways to infuse those elements into your website, right? The reality is we are just changing words on the internet. We're not shooting rockets to space. <laughs> we're not performing like emergency <laughs> right. quadruple bypass surgery on a battlefield. Like we're putting words on the internet. So the stakes are relatively low typically. True. So figure out, read that book, and then you'll, you're going to see some ways you could insert into what you already have. Right, that's the easiest way to do it without spending any more money. Obviously, you could hire somebody or bring somebody in to help you walk through that and then figure out, okay, how do I how do I expand this? You may have to hire a, design, hire a designer to add right. some sections or whatever. But start by reading the book and then figure out how you can infuse that into those elements into your own website. That's the easiest way to go. So, Amy, you mentioned two things about the wheel of marketing and how there can be way too many spokes. I feel like in order to limit the spokes, you kind of need to know your customer. You need to know your client. So is that where you would say if someone's like, that sounds great. You told me to limit it to two or three things. I don't even know what two or three things it should be. Can you give them just a little direction on how to pick those two things? Absolutely. So you are right. I mean, the number one thing is know your customer. Okay. I mean, just know them inside and out. Um, it's actually, they probably already know this information. So that's the good news. Mm-hmm. You probably already know what's working really well. Yeah. So I would honestly say, hmm. can you double down there hmm. first? Gotcha. And then pick something, something else that has kind of worked worked before, worked in the past, is your second or third thing that you see that is working from a marketing perspective and add that one in. But you're right. It's all about knowing your clients. And and honestly, that's what we do here at Belay. We will double down in things that work well while we go and and try to expand things that um, that do work. So say if you know that you're really um, high on referrals, say you're just really big referral business, then you would say double down on that, even though you might know that there's some other people who are in this really cool, sexy thing called social media. You might not want to jump in that and waste a lot of money or resources of your team if 50% of your leads that are coming in are from referrals. Like you're saying, focus on that first. That is exactly what I'm okay. saying is that 
you need to focus on something that's already working because mm. you can probably have it work even better. There's probably something else you can do to increase that, especially if it's referral. I mean, <laughs> hopefully that's everyone that is listening. That their number one right. customer base is coming from referrals. Yeah. That's yeah. a different episode if we need to talk about that. All right. So question number two, bonus question number two, as you said, a lot of this um, takes money. And I know when you're first starting out, um, you don't have a lot of money. But even if, if you do or you don't, you don't know how much to allocate. Um, I know when we first started Belay, that was one of the things that we spent a lot of time in. I, of course, <laughs> manage our finances here, so I'm going to go straight for the money. We're going to talk about money. But are there some benchmarks? Are there some things that are pretty typical? Now, I know that everybody might not have this amount of money or this percentage of their revenue that they could spend, but are there any guidelines to even help them get started? That is a great question. I mean, I do remember we were scrappy, scrappy back in the day. Yeah. So scrappy. We were. What do you mean? We still are. Scrappy. We I know. If, in comparison to where we were to where we are now, it doesn't feel as scrappy. Yeah, it's exactly was, right. Yeah, yes. Sounds, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think there are, there are a lot of things that you can do that don't cost a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. So number one, just a perfect example is your current client base. It does not cost a lot of money Mm -hmm. to get referrals. You just have to ask them. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you have a great product or a great Mm -hmm. service and they're happy to. Guess what? That's free. That's words. That's voice. But in terms of guidelines, So like 5%, 10%. I was going to say a lot of people take like, I I think it varies on the comfort level, honestly, of the owner. But I how aggressive they want to do it. I have heard like four, three to five percent okay. is a pretty healthy percentage in there. But then it also can just depend on how aggressive an owner mm-hmm. an owner wants. So that three to five that's that's a safe average okay. standard. Well, I know our I know our new businesses will definitely appreciate just being given some guidelines because you never really know how much to spend. And I think a lot of people err on um, getting roped into what is cool and what is sexy. And sometimes they can spend too much in the wrong areas. So I know getting advice from established businesses like Belay and wonderful leaders like you, Amy, is yes, super, Amy, super helpful to our thank listeners. You so thank you for this world-class very marketing well. advice. The first person that someone should hire for their marketing department is what I'm going to call a marketing generalist. So a marketing generalist is the person who is going to become basically they're they're going to know everything about their product or their service or their brand. They are going to be the SME of all things for that person. Um, This is not this is the person who can do a lot of things because that part doesn't change at first. There's still a lot of things that need to happen mm-hmm. for marketing. So a generalist is going to be that brand expert. They're actually going to know how to do quite a few things that you do for marketing already. They're going to kind of know how to do it. They're going to spin. Already. They're going to hold a lot of plates. They're going to do all the things. They're going to have a wide skill set. They're going to have a wide skill set, except for one thing. And here's the differentiator. Mm. They're basically operators. They have strong operational and and planning Mm. abilities. So now a title for that, I'm calling it a marketing generalist. A title could be anything from marketing assistant to marketing coordinator to marketing manager. It just depends Mm. budget, 
experience level that somebody is looking for. They can come with different titles, but all of those people are able to spin a lot of plates, plan, and execute. Execute. Because that's the other thing yeah. about marketing. Is- uh, execution. Yeah. Execute's my favorite word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's my love language. But you're saying that this is not going to be the person who's going to be super creative then. Because I think that for me, I would just assume that if I'm hiring someone, the first hire for my marketing team, they're going to be super creative. But that's kind of not what you're saying, right? It is. So that's not what I'm saying. And the reason that I'm, okay. I'm having them lean in that other direction is what we're trying to do is alleviate the owner or whoever it is who's currently doing it. So we're trying to alleviate and have things taken off of those pl- that plate. Mm-hmm. And that's typically more of those things of being able to run and do a lot of general things. On the creative side, um, they do exist. So all those you are one, out Amy. There Amy, you are an operating yeah. marketing person that's very creative. So you you do exist. All right, they they do exist, um, but yeah. So that but that's it. I mean, you can have a million ideas, but if you can't make an idea come from the the idea stage to like it actually happened, that's not marketing. That's just great ideas. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's the first person is that marketing generalist. I love it. So broad knowledge. Executor, mm-hmm. operator, first person who can handle a lot of different types of marketing. Okay, so then what's yes. number two? All right, so number two is looking at what you already do and now specialize. They're specialist. You're going to specialize. Mm-hmm. Um, for a specialist, what they do is they bring very particular skill sets. You can usually get about two really good specialized skill set per person um, in a specialist role. So going way back to the beginning of the belay marketing as an example, our specialist role that we hired, we everybody could do graphics. Mm-hmm. You don't want me drawing anything. Um, <laughs> or, you know, we're I don't even I that sounds like a word. challenge. I'm gonna have to ask you to draw <laughs> <No>. something now. <laughs> You need a stick figure. I'm your girl. <laughs> clip art. Ever heard of clip art? Yeah, clip Anyone? art. Anyone? Exactly. <laughs> if it's outside of Canva, um, which is just a super simple tool. Yeah, you don't want me doing it. So, but that was a great example. So we needed someone who had a graphic design specialty. Now that graphic design specialty, their other skill set happened to be things like being able to build a landing page, help out with our website, those type of things. Now, I'm just talking about what we needed, but typically what somebody would do is go be like, okay, so in order to do either more marketing or different marketing or improve our marketing, what are more specialized skill sets that we're, we're going to need? And then so the next two are, are specialist hires. And so would those two depend on your business or where your brand is thriving? I imagine different business types if we look at the the wheel of marketing, we love our yes. marketing wheel. Um, if you look at the wheel of marketing, I imagine each organization is strong in different parts, and maybe those are the areas. Would you? Is that what yes. you would recommend? That's exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that that you need to look at this what you need done in the wheel of marketing. More to come in a probably separate episode. But yeah, just think Vanna White, Pat Sage. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All the colors. It is. It's in its simplest form. It is literally a list of all the different type of marketing that you need done and or do. And so you're going to look at those and it's going to be customized then to each individual business on on what those next two people need to be. But the good news is, is if you have your generalist, they can um, help make sure that your specialists, they can, they're basically become the project coordinator. 
hmm. for the two specialists. So whether they report to that project coordinator, you know, your marketing generalist or not, they ultimately can coordinate all the different pieces that go into, into the marketing. We are excited to have Amy Appleton, the yeah. Director of Marketing for Belay, back with us for a continued interview. In part one, she gave so much information and knowledge, we had to continue so the interview. Good. Yes, yeah. and we have a fun, interesting topic for today, marketing your business by committee. Amy, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm confused. What is this you speak of? I know. So marketing by committee means we're going to distribute the marketing that you're already, business owners are usually already doing to their internal team instead mm. of hiring. Oh, okay. okay. So a pre-hire tactic potentially. It is a, exactly. Mm. It is a pre-hire tactic to make sure that you can do more marketing, but it's not the owner who is doing all of the marketing. Well, so what do you do, right? So what is the strategy, the tactic that if you're limited on resources, limited on funds, cost is a concern, what is the strategy that you recommend? So that is the marketing by committee. So this is and where that is, fancy word fits in. That's where the fancy <laughs> word comes in. Comes in, and it is it is taking. So we have this thing at Belay we call it the wheel of marketing. So it literally was a super easy way to, for us to visually show all the different pieces of marketing that we currently do at Belay. So marketing by committee is a way for someone to say, okay, these are the things that we are doing um, in marketing or want to do, but don't put a lot on that list, or want to do, um, and then identifying how you might divvy that up within your internal team um, and, and actually giving individuals on your team certain responsibilities that are going to help further the marketing function. Of the business again. Also, it's it's also about freeing up a leader or owner's time to stop doing that. They are typically one of the best sales people. Yeah, we want you know salespeople, leader. They're trying to figure out how to grow their business. If we can give them more time to do that, then then that's fantastic. And that's again this marketing by by committee. you talk a lot about entrepreneurs, executives, and managers who lead salespeople, how they kind of get stuck in what you refer to as the sales leadership insanity loop. By the way, I love that. Um, (laughs) Would you mind kind of talking to us about that, explaining it to us, and really why is it so important? Well, you know what I found in my years, not only being a former VP of sales, but also now for 20 years working with sales teams is a lot of well-intended CEOs and sales managers are working on the wrong end of the sales performance issue. So let's start with, you know, hiring top salespeople. Now, rightfully so, they're going to be looking at what I call the hard skills. I often refer to this as a sales IQ. So do they have industry experience, number of years of selling experience? But when you sit down and talk to a CEO or VP of sales as to why this hire didn't work out, 
you never hear things like, well, you know, they weren't prospecting or hitting quota, which, which is going to sound a little amazing for your audience today. You'll hear things like bad attitude, wasn't a good team player, bull in a china shop and didn't care. So it's often they're missing vetting for the soft skills, the very, very important skills that lead to retention in an organization. Uh, when you look at, take a look at training and development. So myself included, I love training the hard skills, negotiation, prospecting, asking good questions. But when you really examine closer why salespeople aren't demonstrating the right selling behaviors, it usually goes back to lack of development of a soft mm -hmm. skill, EQ skills. Mm -hmm. So that's the insanity loop where we're actually having people, um, it's the old diet and exercise program. I can go out and run mm -hmm. 10 miles, but if I come back and eat a bag of chips, which I love chips, um, not gonna do much good. <laughs> donuts, right? can we have donuts? <laughs> yeah. so, so we're actually working on 50% of the success equation in many sales organizations. Yeah. So why is it so important to then get out of that loop? Well, if you like big headaches and big bruises, that'd be your first reason there. <laughs> um, but, but I would particularly say in these tough business environments where everything's getting more uh, competitive, you have a lot of industries there where there's the commoditization factor happening faster and quicker. You really don't have the luxury of being average. I don't think you've ever had the luxury of being average. But today's business environment is not kind to average salespeople, average sales organizations. So if my team is only equipped with 50% of the skills, they're probably not going to win 100% of the business that they could or should. So it's really giving them 100% of the uh, skills to be successful, not only in sales, but in life. So what are some of the common mistakes leaders make when designing the plan? First and foremost, I'd say not giving direction to the salesperson. Um, it, they may have a plan, but they don't go as far as actually the execution of the plan. Um, so they need to make the salesperson have that target so they can be effective and so they can actually achieve it or come close to achieving it. Um, because if you send somebody out there without that direction or that target or an achievable number, you're gonna lose momentum very quickly and you're never going to see the value of what that salesperson could effectively bring your organization. Right. Um, that, that would be one of the biggest ones that I can see. And then the other one, see um, quite often is capping a salesperson's potential earnings. You know, oh. if you set it up correctly and they're paying for themselves by the sales that they bring in, then why cap them? The more they sell, the more they make, the more you win as an organization. So that would be probably the biggest one. Yeah. And here at Belay, I mean, I think that we accomplish that with even some accelerators, right? So you're even, I mean, I feel like it's a double motivation to mm -hmm. not go to that, you know, kind of what people would see maybe is they're just their quota, but to exceed their quota. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you never want them to, and we talk about this a lot, is you never want them to ha have a reason to what we say sandbag. If you stop the incentives, they're just going to hold wins for the next month or the next quarter because you've capped them. Yeah, I feel like that happens in a lot of maybe automotive industries or yeah. you know, sales folks yes. that do that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I just kind of let the cat out of the bag about one incentive that we do here at Belay, that sort of accelerator, but let's talk more about other um, additional incentives and what business owners should consider before even putting them into place. 
Yeah, so before you put it into place, um, the word that comes to mind there is integrity. Mm. And the reason I say that is salespeople are uber competitive. And you you mentioned this earlier. They're super competitive and they're super driven to win. So having a salesperson or a team with integrity is key uh, because you can dangle the carrot and you want to make sure that the way they get to that carrot is is actually in line with the visions of value of your values of your organization. So that is that is key. Once you're certain of that, ask yourself if the incentives that you have in place are encouraging the behaviors that you actually want. Sure. Like I said, does that monthly quota encourage sandbagging? Mm-hmm. Or are you are you setting it up to where it doesn't matter where they bring it in in you know June versus July, they still get to to see the the um, accomplishment, and it's not hurting anybody by them not reaching it in one month versus the next. Right, that would be a big one. And then the accelerators that you put in place are they realistic? Because if they're not, again, you're just going to see that motivation and that momentum that the salesperson potentially has just dwindle away. Because if they don't feel like they can reach a goal, they're just going to stop trying. So making sure that those incentives are are actually achievable. Not all the time, but that they're there to, to be breached. What a fun look back at some of the best marketing advice we've heard here on the One Next Step podcast. I particularly loved the advice that Amy gave all about hiring a marketing generalist as your first internal marketing hire. I think that advice can change your business as you are growing your team and focusing more on how to grow your marketing. I hope you're enjoying the One Next Step podcast as much as we are. And if you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. And thanks to our guests for generously sharing their time and wisdom with us. And if you're ready to start accomplishing more and juggling less, go to belaysolutions.com. Join us next week for more practical tips and actionable tools to advance your business one step at a time. Start by making today count. Join us next week when our guest will be Nathan Art, owner and president of Ministry Solutions and the author of a new ebook, Target Corp and the Flexible Church. He'll chat with us about what businesses and churches can learn from a major shift that Target made in 2014. Take a quick listen. The power of the digital platform is not 1990s TV advertising broadcast, taking my product that maybe 98% of you don't want, but if I get in front of enough people, at least 2% of you will want it. That's not the digital platform. The digital platform is about relevance. It's about being able to give you what you're looking for at the time you need it most. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.